From the Bob Varley Studio in Orlando, Florida, you're listening to The Diz Unplugged. Hello and welcome to The Diz Unplugged Roundtable Diz Boards Edition for March 11th, 2010. From Orlando, Florida, I'm your host, Pete Werner, joined at the table this week by my good friends, John Magi, Teresa Eccles, Corey Martin, Julie Martin, and Kathy Whirling, back in the Peanut Gallery, Walter Eccles, and Max the Intern. Uh, welcome to the first episode of our newest show. This is a show that will focus on our discussion forums at disboards.com. For those of you who are expecting an email show, last week we announced that we're making some changes, and we'll be doing our email shows every two weeks uh, from now on, and every two weeks we're going to dedicate a show to discussing some of the topics that you'll find on our forums, disboards.com, in case you didn't know where they were. So we're going to, uh, we're just going to get, get right into it. And uh, the, first, uh, the first thread that I picked out for this week was uh, from the Theme Parks Forum. Actually, I picked out a few from the Theme Parks Forum, uh, entitled, What Are You Passionate About? And, and there was a reason that I, I, I picked that particular thread. And... Uh, because as I was reading through it, uh, what kind of dawned on – actually, there were two, two things that kind of dawned on me. Number one was uh, the way Disney fans, or at least the ones on our site, and I'm sure this is true of many of uh, the Disney fans, the way we plan our vacation sometimes. We get so involved in the minutia and the details of have to do this and have to be here and have to be there – that sometimes I think we may forget exactly what it is about Disney or in the parks or in the resorts that really fires us up, that really makes us passionate about this. Because if you think about it, think about the enormous amount of time and effort that we spend, that Disney fans spend planning these, planning these vacations. Uh, you know, there are people who spent less time going for degrees uh, than have spent you know, planning vacations. And I, I just thought some of the uh, some of the comments made on the thread were were really interesting. Uh, for example, uh, SC Disney guy uh, mentions that it brings back a rush of memories from his childhood, even though much has changed. Also, being able to see uh, the parks through the eyes of his kids and his nieces and nephews uh, throughout the week, and that you know this upcoming trip is going to be the first one he has with his. Uh, 13-year-old, uh, 13-month-old uh, baby. And I think, you know, that's certainly cool. I was also thinking about, you know, I started thinking about what makes me passionate about the parks. And I started thinking back to the days when we lived in New Jersey and I would actively plan vacations, you know, once or twice or three times a year, depending on how obsessed we happen to be or how flush with cash we happen to be that year. And how different that is now that we live here. I mean, everybody's like, oh, wow, you live 20 minutes from the parks. It does change it, though. It does change it. Uh, but it, uh, you know, it just kind of, I, I thought it was interesting to you know, point that thread out about what what is it that you're passionate about? Not what do you like or what your favorite ride is, but what are you passionate about? What for me, I think it revolves around the resorts, just experiencing, uh, you know, experiencing a new resort or um, kind of touring a new resort. 
just the hotel room itself, like after a long day at the park and going back to the hotel room. I don't know, just the whole resort thing I love. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because, you know, uh, uh, as I mentioned on uh, the discussion show this week, I'm going to be reviewing the Caribbean Beach in next week's show. I'm going to be staying there for a few nights uh, this week. And not that I have anything against the Caribbean Beach, uh, per se, or ever have. I'm so excited about going to this resort. Now, I've been to the Caribbean Beach two or three dozen times. Uh, not always to stay there, but, you know, I have stayed there before. But, you know, I've been there a, a bunch of times. Uh, but for some reason, this just has me fired up. That was the first resort I ever stayed at. And I was, me too. I was made to stay there against my will because when I came for the first time. Were you I, in the bondage suite or something? <laughs> I, like, wow. I just did not want to come to Disney the very first time I ever right, came. Right, you've talked about and, that, yeah. you know, it was... That resort, I think, that, that helped soften me up, you know, that with the the views and everything else that, you know, I still have a special place in my heart for that resort. And, of course, I've been back there, you know. But for me, that's just, you know, the, again, to me, it's always the attention to detail, how Disney does everything. And when you go around, and I like I said, I, I really did not want to be here. And to see how Disney in the span of a couple days, converted me with the way they did things. It was the first place that Corey and I ever stayed together. Oh, wow. Um, wow. We weren't married, but that didn't stop <gasps> us from anniversary. Oh, separate, rooms. Oh, <laughs> separate rooms, yeah. We yeah. Two twin beds. <laughs> His, I think your dad had booked it for us because we were looking for a place to live. Wendell. And it was right after Corey's graduation. <laughs> hey, we were over 18. Maybe one of us barely, but hey. <laughs> But so it is special for us, you know. But my first resort was Fort Wilderness in an RV. Mine was Dixie Landings. So what I thought was interesting about reading the individual posts on this thread was there's almost always in everyone's response the big picture and then the small the, picture. The details, yeah. yeah. I love uh, the feeling I get. I love the idea of being on vacation. I love mm-hmm. the magic, but then I like writing Tower of Terror. Right. I like, oh, so I think that's really good about it. There was one person who talked about. Um, not experiencing the world, like the outside world. Right. That's me on vacation. I don't yeah. watch mm-hmm. the news. I barely talk to anyone on the phone. Corey's the opposite. I mean, he has to have some sort of connection, not me. I could be in a place but where there's why, no TV, no, that, you know. That's why I have that affinity now for cruising. Yep. Cruising I was ju- you just took the words you. out of my mouth. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, now when we go away, it's that thing. You're plugged in and you're doing your work and you're doing everything. At least with the cruise, you're almost forced to unplug. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I was just going to mention that, that, you know, uh, my first trip to uh, Disney World uh, was really, I had one day, I was on a business trip, I had one day, and it was just kind of like, I just was able to get the taste in my mouth, and I devoted the whole next year of my life to planning on getting back here that following year, and at the time, my parents worked for Sheridan, and I got the friends and family rate, the $69 friends and family rate at the Dolphin. Uh, it was my first time ever going on vacation by myself. I went with a friend, but uh, without my family. And it was my first time really being at Disney World. This is one of the reasons I've always had a closeness and an affinity for the Swan and Dolphin, because my real introduction to falling in love with Disney, I mean, just falling madly head over heels in love with Disney, was at that hotel. Hmm. And 
it, uh, you know, and walking around. Uh, at the time, I was uh, newly sober. Uh, I had just gotten sober about a year and a half before that, and I remember walking through Epcot in particular and saying to my friend, this is what I got drunk to feel like. This is what I did drugs to feel like. This Everything is perfect. Everything's larger than life. Everyone's friendly. You know, it's a perfect world, and there's none of that from the outside world coming in to get you, so to speak, when you're on vacation. And I used to hate, hate when I would go to Disney World and I'd have a message in the, I'd get back to the hotel because I didn't have a cell phone then. Uh, I'd get back to the hotel room and the light would be blinking. It would be my boss. We can't find this. Or what did you do with that? Or we have a question about this. And it just was like that, that ugly hand of reality reaching into my little bubble. And I hated that. But, uh, you know, it has changed. It has changed moving here. Um, it also changed, um, you know, from the Dreams Unlimited Travel side. John and I are both owners in Dreams Unlimited Travel. Uh, working with Disney. And, you know, up, up to that point, our experience with Disney had always been, you know, uh, 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 you know, as guests. So interacting with them, not as guests, it took me a few years to get used to that. Uh, and it, uh, it did, you know, to some degree, it did dampen seeing behind the curtain, so to speak, did kind of dampen the, uh, uh, the passion for me. And at varying points in the last 11 years that I've been living down here, my passion for the for Disney has gone through highs and lows. Right now, it's kind of coming back up to a high, but uh, that's why I'm glad to do the reviews, start doing the resort reviews again now, while I'm not like you know, hating everything about Disney. Um, kind of makes it easier for me to be objective. I, I still, you know, I mean, it's been how many years? I've lived here six years now, but to me, every time I step on property or, or drive onto property, I still remember how lucky I am. To live here and people always say oh you just say that but every time I walk into the parks I'm thinking how many people would be jealous of me being able to do this mm-hmm. and that I just enjoy it but what I, what I what I always love about you is that in spite of the work you do and the access you have to Disney you have never lost that Disney fan gleam, that passion. I hope that, I never do. Um, I hope you know. I hope you don't either, because God knows you're great, and uh, you add so much because of that. I think you, and, you know, it's one of the reasons I, I think a lot of people really like hearing you and like your input because you have that. You have that. Uh, Just the love and feeling. The love and yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Which hasn't um, lost. Uh, you know, and also one of the other comments in the thread by Fantasmic Twenty Three. Um, mentions that I don't know if it's a he or a she, but uh, they love the week before their Disney mm-hmm. World trip because it's like the week before Christmas, and I can relate to that. Mm-hmm. I remember that. I remember that well. You know that I'm going to Disney in six days and going to Disney. Yeah. You know, the night before the was like Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm, yeah. You know, something that uh, Disney misses the mark on. Disney Cruise Line captures it, but Disney World misses the mark on. Is they need to get people if they want to have their bookings go up. Capture that magic while people are here. Get them to rebook while you're here. Because can you imagine? Can you remember being here and then three days into your trip planning your next mm-hmm. one? Always. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to go here. Next time we're going to. Well, go usually, here. Uh, John, if you remember, I had already started planning our next trip before we even left right. on the current trip. Um, oh yeah, no, I I had I had them lined up because you know there was only I only had a couple of modes in those days. I was either planning to go to Disney World in Disney World or just getting back from Disney World. Those were the only three modes I had. And 
So yeah, there was always a trip being planned or executed at any moment in my life for a good solid 10 years before we actually finally moved here. And it was like, okay. Well, after I was converted on my first trip in October, we came back that Christmas. I mean, that was just how fast I turned around and came back to Disney again. That um, to me, it was, you know, I was newly widowed and coming to Disney was just fantastic. Nobody knew who I was. Nobody knew that I was missing somebody. My kids got to go back to being kids. But we came for October. We came at Christmas. We came at Easter. We came that summer. And we came again that fall. So, I mean, you know, I went from no, 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 making fun of people to I was here, what, five or six times within like a year? <laughs> wow. So, so yeah, the re- and like I said, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to pick that thread was just to remind people uh, that are planning trips that, you know, yeah, you're going to get into the minutia and the details, uh, but don't forget, don't forget about what makes you passionate, why you love it in the first place. So the other thread I picked um, on a more informational note has to do with the Jedi Training Academy over at Disney's Hollywood Studios. For those who don't know what that is, outside of uh, the Star Tours attraction, they do this thing for younger kids, kids 12 and under. During Star Wars weekends? No, I think it no, goes it's on all, all, all the time. All the time. All the time. Jeez. Uh, that uh, is called the Jedi Training Academy. It's really, really cute. And uh, initially, and I, you know, it's funny because when I saw this, I, I remembered... When they first started doing this, I remember Bob saying, I'm pretty sure it was on one of the shows. I remember Bob saying, they're going to have trouble with this. Because what they would do is they would pick kids from the crowd to be part of the Jedi Training Academy. And, you know, there were all these suggestions. Have your kids wear bright colors. Tell them not to be too obnoxious. uh, Stuff like that. Get them down up front. And... You know, I remember Bob saying they're going to have problems with this, and apparently they did because, you know, the kids that weren't getting picked, you know, for those of us that remember what that was like in school, uh, being the last one picked for, you know, dodgeball or kickball or whatever it was, um, you know, a lot of kids were being, you know, were disappointed. But so, isn't isn't that a part of life? I mean, I, I asked my kids about this. It's a part of life, but it doesn't have to be a part of Disney. It's also... You know, we talk about suspending reality. Right. Um, We're also talking about being picked on an extremely random level. Yeah. It's extremely random. It's not even we want, you know, just the tall kids or we want you to have a certain look. It's literally you, 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 and you. But, I mean, I think it was the obnoxious parents that ruined it. Because, I mean, have you ever stood there and watched the parents? Like, the kids will be standing there, and it'll be the parents like, hey, right here, right here. Well, I think, though, but I, I, you know, I'm not saying that doesn't exist, but I think there were also kids that were looking forward to that. And they didn't get picked, and they were disappointed. And I can understand Disney wanting to try and change that up so that at least if the kids don't get to participate, they get, uh, you know, there's a re- there's a more legitimate reason exactly. than they just don't like me. Yeah. Uh, what they've done is instead of picking kids, now it's first come, first serve. Basically, if you get there early enough, um, they'll take the number of kids they need and they will, you know, it's first come, first serve. So there's no more picking. I think that's the smart thing to exactly. do. Exactly. Yeah, you know, parents see- can say, you know, these kids were picked yesterday. <laughs> they didn't get picked. Did you see the one parent, though, that said, it shouldn't be the children that stand in line. They shouldn't have the children shouldn't have to stand in line. The parents should stand in line, and the children should be able to go off and do whatever they want until it's time. For I the disagree show. with that. I disagree. Yeah, with I that do entirely. too. I mean, I learned how to wait. That's yeah. that's part of life. <laughs> well, <laughs> just you learn at Disney. You know why? Sure and what if what if your kid doesn't come back in time? You know right. what if your kid's off riding something and doesn't come back in time? Why should another kid be left out? 
because, you know, you don't think your kid is, you think your kid's too special to stay in line. Or they were saying like one parent maybe had three kids. So maybe you were, there's 15 parents in the line, but by the time those three kids come back, back, you know, now you're not part of the show. Because your parents stood in line. Not for only it. should they have to wait in line, they should have to wait in line on one foot. Oh, Lord. <laughs> in the heat with no water. And still wear a bright color shirt. <laughs> it should be torture to get But, you, you know, when we talk about the, the picking the kids, uh, uh, mom, two darling boys writes uh, that her, her uh, son was completely heartbroken. She learned this from experience. Uh, her six year old and her sat through five shows, and he was not picked to go up on stage once. He cried after each one. Um, and, you know, not an angry cry, but a truly pathetic cry with great big tears. It broke my heart and was the worst part of our trip. I can see that happening. I yeah. really oh, can I see can that too, happening. But isn't that still part of, as a parent, isn't that part of managing expectations that you say to your child, hey, look, Johnny, there's going to be 200 people there that are going to try to get well, picked. Let's take well, our yeah, chances. You know, yeah. I, I, think, I think you have a, a lot of opportunities for that outside of Disney yeah. World. But why should they have that experience at Disney World when it's not necessary, when it can be just a first-come, first-served thing? But I see, see, I can't see. They they tried it the way of, you know, everybody raising their hand. And b- believe me, I've been that kid that didn't get picked for something in school. To now they have a line. I don't think either one of them. Well, I think it's right. a, I think it's a lot easier for a six year old to understand. Oh, right, right. That, we're last you know, in line. We, you know, we <laughs> yeah. you know we didn't get in line early enough. So you know, if we want, if I really want to do this, I know I have to be here earlier next time. And uh, then it is to say you just weren't picked five times in a row. Yeah. And if you're because also for saying, a six year old, no matter what the parent does for that kid, it's going to feel like there's something wrong personal. with me. And that should not be a part of a Disney experience. I just don't think that has any place in right, a Disney no, experience. I, I still, you know, Disney does it with characters. They, they cut off a line at a certain point. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, Mickey's, uh, Mickey has to go do this. Eat cheese. You know, <laughs> so they, they cut off those. I mean, I don't think this is a, a, a life lesson situation, but I think a better lesson for the kid is, hey, listen, if you get here at a certain time and you're patient and you wait your turn, then you're going to be the next one who gets to participate. Yep. Right. And I think it's the parent's job to to let the child know before you get there. Right. What's, right. That's what's what I'm going trying on. to say. Yeah, you need to tell them we're going to go and see if we can do this. Right. right. It's it might not guaranteed. Not, it's not guaranteed, but we'll you know we'll do our best. We'll it's get in line. Easier to do that getting in line than it is hoping right. your kid gets picked. Right. True. Like True. You know, like because again, that six year old is not going to have the presence of mind. To say this was just a random thing, I didn't get picked. To a six-year-old, it's, I'm not special. And I don't think there should be any experience at Disney World, uh, an orchestrated experience anyway, that uh, or a preventable experience where a six-year-old walks away feeling like that. Uh, so if you're interested in having your child, like I said, it's for kids uh, 12 and under. If you're interested in having your kids... Four to 12. Uh, four to 12. Yeah, there's okay. a minimum. Four yeah, to Ferris 12. can't participate. No, Ferris can't participate. <laughs> so four to twelve. Uh, if you're interested in doing that, uh, show times are uh, in the park maps. When you get to the park, uh, you want to you want to arrive early. I mean, people on the thread are saying you know they've gotten there an hour or so early and there was already a line. So uh, keep that in mind. But we'll also have links to some uh, updated show information and show time information, so you can kind of take a look and see. What uh, what times these normally run? I also understand from this thread they've changed a little bit, and that now there's more opportunity for kids mm-hmm. to participate. Not only is there the the fighting or the pretend fighting on stage, they do another separate lower area 
where you're doing Jedi training against a different villain from the movie. So that seems to be a little bit better, too. Now, the other thread that I picked, uh, again, from the theme parks board is the probably the most asked question of trip planning. When's the best time to visit? And there are as many answers for this as there are months in the year, uh, depending on the individual and their circumstances. You know, uh, if you're talking about when, when's the best month to visit for crowds, I think right now, January. Mm-hmm. January is the best month to visit for crowds. September used to be. You know, it's be. March now, right? <laughs> really? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Well, you said visit right now, January. The best time to visit right now, meaning uh, at this point in time. Oh, okay. <laughs> I took it that way. Too. Did you take it? Okay. I did. Sorry. Is, is in January, because there was another January coming um, that people could plan for. Uh, and, and, and that being, because really there aren't, you know, just it's, it's right after the holidays, and very few people travel right after the holidays. Kids are going back to school. They've been out of school for two weeks. Most parents aren't going to pull them out. Uh, to go to Disney World. Uh, I'm telling you, January, you can fire a cannon down Main Street and not hit anybody some days. And hopefully next um, January will be warmer <laughs> a yeah, little bit. Yeah, it was a little bit cold. That's the, that's the downside of January. September is still a good month, but September can get a little nuts, uh, never to the point of like you know midsummer crowds, but September can get a little bit nuts when they start doing their free dining. Um, a lot of people are saying October, um, late August, uh, September, uh, what do you guys think? What's for I you? like May personally, but being a Floridian, I think it's kind of the perfect weather time yeah. for us. It's not too too hot yet, but it's still warm enough you can enjoy the water parks and things. Because I wouldn't be in a water park in January, and if I lived somewhere else, that'd be one of my reasons to come to Florida is to spend some time on really? the beach or in the sun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I never think of it from a crowd standpoint. I always think of it from an event standpoint. What's going on at the parks? So I like the last week uh, in September. You have Halloween, and you also have um, food, food and wine. wine food festival. and wine festival. You can knock two birds out one stone. I like January and February because of the the weather, and the I, I would go for a weather. Weather would be my reason to pick a month. But if I wasn't a Floridian, I wouldn't choose those. I mean, like I wouldn't choose um, January or February. If you weren't a Floridian, really? No. Because it's well. Yeah, but if you're coming from but I'm saying, 16 I wanna, feet of snow. Right, but I still want it to be warmer right than it was this past January. Yeah, this right. was a cold. Right. But this well, is a, the, I know it's unusually cold, cold winter, but yeah. I still wouldn't swim when in When they January. come to Florida, they expect some warmth <laughs> yeah, as right. opposed to 30 degrees. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And, you know, you get uh, uh, October into November. Um, the humidity starts to go away. The crowds, especially in early November, the crowds really aren't that bad. See, I feel like October is still really hot. Yes. <laughs> October is. But no, it can, as, be, it can be cool. It's not as, I don't think it's as bad as midsummer. I would mid-summer. never, ever use the word cool and October together in Florida. Usually around, <laughs> usually around Halloween, it's usually cool. It didn't do it this year, but normally it'll cool off by Halloween. But see, I also looked at it from a du- another point of view of, do, do you are you coming like as a family group that maybe you want to come around Christmas? Like I, mm-hmm. when I first started coming here, I came around all the major holidays. And people always go, oh, but that's the worst. Not if you, like, plan or how you're, you know, I would rather spend Christmas at Disney than, like, Christmas in Pennsylvania. Really? You know. I, I think it all depends on what you're looking to get mm-hmm. out of right, the trip. Right, If, if you're going to come January, February, you're going to realize some things are not going to be open. Mm-hmm. Some things are going to be in rehab. 
if you're going to come in the summer, more things are going to be open, but the wait times are going to be longer. So if you really want something that is not going to be available in January, then you're going to have to come at a, a later time. But see, I figured like coming from Pennsylvania, and like everybody goes, oh, you need a white Christmas. To me, sitting in a hot tub at Caribbean Beach yeah, I don't need on a white Christmas, Christmas Day, you know, and I knew that I was flying back home to snow, you know, and crowds, I just managed to, again my expectations of I'm not going to be able to ride 30 rides a day because the crowds are going to be there. Right. Right. It just depends on what, what, what your priorities looking. are. Right. Yeah. Cool. Uh, the next thread I chose, again from, uh, from our theme parks board, should I skip Epcot with little ones? I like this thread. I, um, that totally hit home for me. I'm sure Teresa, too. The, uh, I can't believe it's even a question. I know. What, what's your answer? Absolutely yes, positively you not. Take, you yeah. take your kids. You do not skip Epcot. You don't well, skip anything with this kids. Is, I don't see but I, again, uh, f- from, from people like us who experience it all the time and uh, you know, know the ins and outs of Epcot, it's a, it's a no-brainer. But again, from the standpoint of somebody planning their first trip, I would have Epcot, thought, has, yeah. Epcot has that reputation of being Adult. boring for kids. Okay, my first time planning trip was when the first time I come down several years ago. I think when Stella was a baby is when the first time we came down and did. We made our list, and Epcot was at the bottom because I didn't know a lot about it then. And I'm thinking, okay, what are we going to do at Epcot? I'm going to walk around the world. We're going to drink. We're going to eat. What are the kids going to do? So you think about that. Mm-hmm. But now that I've learned a little bit more about it, Epcot is not at the bottom of the list. Animal Kingdom is at the bottom. Yes. <laughs> uh, what what is it about Epcot? Because you have a, a seven year old, you also have a fifteen uh, year old. What is it about Epcot that you think uh, appeals to them? Stella loves it for several reasons. One, the the rides are interesting and informative. You learn things. It's not just flying up and down. But it doesn't That's feel so like you're learning. It, really it doesn't right. feel like you're learning. It's a fun learning experience, and. She just likes the the different countries, the different the things you do. Now, the Kit Kat stops. Well, does, does she do that? She's done that. She's yes, done she the has. She did that. And this past weekend, we did. Um, well, just to, uh, for anybody who's not familiar with it, Kid Cot stations are located all around uh, uh, all around Epcot. Uh, this was, you know, the, one of the first responses Disney made to the uh, claim that Epcot's no good for kids having these little. Play areas, little uh, organized activity crafts. areas mm-hmm. where kids could, you know, there's a cast member there. They do all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, that's what these Kid Cut areas are. So yeah, we've done that several times this past Sunday. We did um, Kim Possible. That's fun. Mm-hmm. And we had not done that before. I had, we'd seen other people do it. We did several missions, and we had the best time. It was just Stella and Grace and I. Kelvin was off looking at the topiaries. Max was off doing his ride thing. And it was just girls walking around solving missions. And it was so interesting. And it, it made us look at things that we wouldn't have looked at before. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, it was I've, interesting. I've never been to the backside of the UK, you know, yeah. where the little right. mailbox is. <laughs> but if I didn't know any better, I would have thought, avoid Epcot for kids. I mean, oh, now yeah. that we're here, you know different. But you know, just in general, you think it's, you know, it's adult. You know, you walk around, you drink, you but that's eat. The gr- that's the beauty of the boards, though. These people yes. are going to learn all this stuff before well, they surprised. get surprised. Remember when you said, that's Stella's favorite park. I think you it were surprised is. that that was I her was. favorite park. Yeah, I think a lot of times, I think Epcot is an easier um, park for a kid to navigate in because at the Magic Kingdom, you are rushing from ride to ride yeah. to ride, yeah. trying to do 
every possible it's ride a you slower can, day and it's a long wait normally mm-hmm. in every line depending on what time of year you're here so it's a long day it's wearing on them whereas at epcot you know you might go on the boat ride in mexico and then you'll go through maybe do some kidcot stops there are tons of shops with toys oh, yeah. and different types of toys from all over the world that would interest any kid mm-hmm. a little toy museum in japan is really cool oh yeah and then you get to um you know to norway you can do that boat ride as well and you're tasting different types of food which they might scary, not get it's just a different pace of a day the first couple wonderful to throw that in there the first couple times we went we only did future world because my kids thought that world showcase was too you know and then one year i said i'm just going to take my kids around the world you know that was the big deal and they took right to it. And now all three of my kids, Epcot's their favorite park. And it wasn't like I said, you're going to enjoy this. They discovered it on their own and really enjoyed it. Kathy's ride. That's a kid's ride mm-hmm. with Figment, the journey into imagination. It is. I mean, you know, we well, may not enjoy it, but I'm sure every kid does. Well, <laughs> J- JNG Wright uh, lists the rides her four, five, and six-year-old enjoyed. Spaceship Earth, Nemo and Friends. Uh, Turtle Talk, uh, Mission Space Green, which is the, uh, I guess the the wimpy side, the, the wimpy side, right. uh, Test Track, Soren, uh, Journey into Imagination, the Maelstrom Ride over in Norway. Uh, she writes Donald's River Ride, which is uh, the uh, <laughs> uh, Three Caballeros oh, oh, yeah. in the Mexico Pavilion in World Showcase. Uh, the Kid Cod stops the Kim Possible uh, Adventure, uh, Princess Breakfast in Norway. And Farmer Mickey's Garden Grill in the land. There's also it's also easier to meet characters there. It is character interaction. Something else mentioned I in mean, this in this thread. Yep. The lines, you know, when you go to the little princess area over in Toontown, it's insane. What you're, you're the the weight that you have. We tried to wait with little Lily, our niece, and that was just a pain. You know what Epcot makes me think of? It's it's like the most gigantic special school field trip you've ever been on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know where you're learning all this stuff. But again, not in a way that's preachy and yeah, it's not putting you to sleep. It's not boring. When we first started coming above the art of Disney and Epcot, where you come in, they used to have like a teachers area up there that you could Mm -hmm. um, pick up informational materials because that was back in the day when you know had to write the note to school that (laughs) you were taking your kids out to go to Disney, and Mm -hmm. you know, of course, I stretched it was you know said that it was educational, but you could go there and we brought things back. They don't have that anymore. I wish they did. And now, of course, again, uh, this is really all dependent on your kids and what yeah. your kids mm-hmm. are like. This may not be for all kids, but uh, at least in the in the course of planning, not to overlook Epcot simply because it's an adults theme park. It really isn't, uh, and especially over the I'd say the last the better part of the last ten years, Disney really has put a major effort into trying to hit all those. Uh, all those younger demographics, whether it's teens or younger kids, with rides like Mission Space and Test Track. These are rides that are going to appeal more. Soren, too. I think Soren appeals to a wide range. My mother, mm-hmm. my mother, bless her heart, she's going to be 80 years old in December, um, and she's petrified of heights, but she'll, she loves to go on Soren with us. So, you know, it, I think you know, there are, the, there are a, a lot of attractions there that have multi-generational appeal, mm-hmm. young, old, and in between. Yeah, I, I mean, try to not encourage people to go to Epcot just because I want it to be empty when I go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll hate it. Don't go. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ferris had fun with a stick in Japan. <laughs> oh, I saw the pictures. <laughs> you know, I mean, come on. 
Well, that's it with kids too. Is yeah. they, you know, it really doesn't take much to amuse them, uh, and that's that's a, that's a great thing. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you mentioned in the last show that you know, Epcot is Ferris's favorite park. It's um, the one he's been to the most. <laughs> that's that's funny. Now, Teresa, you had mentioned that Animal Kingdom now is on the bottom of your list. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Well, go ahead. One, go give ahead. an answer. No, give, give an answer because I want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> Several reasons. One, I don't care if it's the middle of the winter. It's hot there. It just seems... I know you said that it's like the face of the sun. It and is. It, it truly, it's just hot. It just doesn't seem as welcoming to There's me. There's no shade anywhere. There's no shade. I don't know. Kelvin absolutely loves it. The kids like it. No one's begging to go there, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I think for kids, it's the opposite of what Julie said Epcot is, in that it's, there's the things are few and far between. You have to walk forever. You have to walk to everything, and then when you get there, you're in primeval world. Personally, for my family, it's my least favorite because I live with this crap. All the time, the plants, the animals. <laughs> it's just tell us how you really feel, Teresa. Her outside goldfish is driving her nuts. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, it's just. I mean, it's a nice little park, but it's just it's at the bottom. It's of on the list. bottom of our list too. It's not a very fun park. Now Stella loves Dino World and all of that, and that's like my least favorite. By the time you get to Dino World, I mean you need a nap and Dino a soda. Oh, I, Stella and I just go Dino Land. Stella and I go straight there. I don't feel like out. any of their attractions besides Expedition Everest is something that I look forward to doing over and over. Yeah, but we were over there last week and we did the trail, Pangani Trail. Now, to me, I think that is just like a great way to take a break while you're in the park. Now, I don't do any real. I do the safari and. Is Animal it one with Kingdom. the gorillas? Yeah. Yeah. I like that one. And the Maharaja Trail is another one that it's like you can sort of like, if your kids are getting like really wound up or they're getting antsy, take them through there, let them see the animals. That's my favorite part of Animal Kingdom. But see, I think if you've got kids who want fun and excitement and things over and over again, they're going to they're gonna be mad at you for taking you down that trail where you can't well, see any gorillas. I think they're going to be. I think they're going to be upset that you took them to Animal Kingdom if they're trying to really go, 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 <laughs> really? do things. But... I mean, most of the kids that I've seen on the trail looking at the gorillas and the um, mole rat and whoever, kids really enjoy that. I haven't really seen like a kid like, hey, mommy, daddy, get me out of here. See, that okay. trail's better than the other. I don't. What's the other one called? I can never remember. The Maharaja yeah. Jungle Trail. Yeah, where everything's oh. behind glass. Yeah. yeah. See, with the gorillas, yeah. it's like, you know, there's only a ravine separating you from them. So it's it's the that more kind of a fear thing, you know, right. where they might possibly could get to me. I mean, they are silverbacks. But it's also, <laughs> it, you know your child. Now, when Max was a little tiny guy, pre preschool, kindergarten, he was all into dinosaurs and all of that. And he would have loved Animal Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Grace comes along, not so much. Stella would go to look at the plants and stuff and and the birds and the animals, but... You know, it's not what the about top the, of our list. What about the rides themselves? I mean, what about the um, the water ride and all that stuff? Is that something where they go, oh, I want to go ride that? No, no. See, that's what See, I, 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 I got to tell you, I think one of the biggest fails of Disney Imagineering uh, is the Kilimanjaro Safari, or as I call it, the Kilimanjaro 500. <laughs> um, and here's why. This is an attraction where people are naturally going to want to take pictures and video. But in order to keep authenticity, 
they have the really rough roads, so you're bouncing all over the place. You're, it's impossible. It's impossible to take a decent picture or shoot a decent piece of video on that ride unless you get lucky. And it, I keep saying to myself, you know, this is where you didn't think about your guests. This is where, first of all, why does it need to be that rough? It doesn't. It's a. It's a. It's a ride through. A, it's a safari ride through. Why does it have to be? Like that, just because it's like that in Africa, the anim- animals also eat people in Africa. Do we have? <laughs> we want to have that too. Sacrifice. Last time we went, Will ended up in my lap. I'm literally, <laughs> literally, because we went over this bump, and Will like literally left his seat and landed on Walter. I mean, that's how ridiculous it is. Plus, of course, they never stop to allow you to actually really see what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, they're constantly moving through it, and you're over these bumpy roads and. I got to tell you, it's the one thing I won't bother going on anymore because they just missed it. Have they ever changed that? No. Nah, it's so always far. been the poachers. Oh, yep. no, yeah. they've changed the storyline yeah, over the years. Um, the ending was a little bit more sad. Let's just put it that way. And mm-hmm. they've sort of lightened the end. Yeah, they had to bit. because like kids were crying and whatnot. Yeah. About two months ago, we went up to Mouse Surplus, you know, where they sell all the Disney stuff, and the airplane that was on. The safari was up there, and I said to Katie, could we buy the airplane and put it in the backyard? How much was it? I don't know, but the next time we went back up, a couple weeks later, the airplane was gone. So somebody bought the airplane from the safari ride. Wow. Wow. That's interesting. But now, see, with my camera, I love that. And when I want to show people what my camera can do, I take them on the safari. Yeah, but if you're just using, I mean, you have a nice camera. Yeah. Right, I mean, if right. you're just there with your normal point, right. digital right. camera, point and shoot. You can't do it. You well, get that, pictures that of the roof, point. the yeah. ground, you know, you get you get <laughs> nothing. I mean, it's ridiculous. Those are my regular pictures. <laughs> so In the beginning, they were going so fast that they were actually hurting the animals. So that's they ran over a few in the early yeah, days. Yeah, call killing my animals. <laughs> safari. You made that up? No, it's true. Um, all right, our next thread actually comes from our Codes and Rates forum, which is actually a sub-forum off of the Disney Resorts Board, and uh, talking about outrageous resort rates for annual pass holders. And uh, it was started by Liz138, who writes, Help, we have been pass holders for two years and regularly visiting the parks for five. I have never seen Disney Resort rates so high, especially the pass holder rates. Does anybody know what's up or have any suggestions? And a couple of people mentioned that they had noticed uh, the same thing. But other people were saying, you know, they found AP rates for a deluxe in March. The rate was 45% better than using the PIN code. Now, for those who aren't familiar with the PIN codes, this is a whole other discussion. Uh, PIN codes are things that Disney sends out either via regular mail or email to selected targeted guests uh, with an offer for a discount, usually 20, 30, or 40 percent. It varies. Uh, 20 percent off the uh, value resorts, 30 percent off the moderates, uh, 40 percent off the deluxes. And they're kind of difficult to get, and there's a lot of discussion about how you go about getting a pin code, which we'll get to. But uh, this is talking specifically about annual pass rates. Um, what, have, what have we been seeing uh, through Dreams? Uh, the, the rates this year are nothing new, and the whole process is nothing new. It's very hit or miss. It's also this big game you have to play where it might not be for your entire length of stay, so you've got to chop up your length of stay, and you've got to know the questions to ask. This is a pet peeve of mine. This whole discount thing is a big pet peeve of mine. It's too it, – it feels almost too exclusive. 
not only do you have to be an annual pass holder, you have to know all the tricks and you have to know what to do. One person posted they called and talked to a supervisor and the supervisor gave them a lower rate. Mm-hmm. How is that fair to everybody else? Well, that's true. Now, what people need to understand is the way this normally works is that Disney, like with any discount, they, they, they have them out there only when they need them. Uh, and they, they restrict the number of rooms uh, at each resort that are available. Every resort has a different uh, availability uh, during certain times of the year. And they're only going to sell a certain number at this lowered rate, the number they think they need to sell. So when a resort fills up or those rooms that have been blocked out for the annual pass holder rate are gone, then those resorts revert back to their rack rate. So that's why you might be looking at, you know, the boardwalk is notoriously one that is very hard to get any discount at because it fills up fast. Yacht and Beach, also kind of difficult but not impossible. Animal Kingdom Lodge usually seems to have mm-hmm. uh, good uh, good rates. Um, I found a Florida resident rate for June that in concierge that was out of this world. Uh, it was two hundred and thirty dollars a night. Wow! Um, for a deluxe Savannah View room in concierge, uh, that was an annual pass holder rate. That was a Florida resident rate, but those are usually pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know that's you know that's why it's very difficult for anybody to really tell you with any assurity. You know, yes, you'll be able to get a pass holder rate this time of the year or at this resort. Disney really yields those rates out very, very carefully. But uh, one poster on the on the thread N2MM. Now, this is going back to uh, February 21st, so the likelihood that these are still out there is slim. But uh, had pointed out that they were able to find uh, AP rates at Pop Century um, ranging from $63 a night to $72 a night when the rack rate was 105 to 120. <laughs> so it depends. It all depends on when you're there, when you call, what dates you have, what resort you're looking at. This is why you really need to look at multiple dates, be flexible, uh, multiple resorts, be creative, and you know you find these things. But don't you think that when Disney's sitting there figuring out discounts, they're going to try to get the general public to come more than they're going to try to give an annual pass rate? Well, at the point that the annual pass rates have been released, they've already tried to get the general public to come and couldn't. Well, that, yeah, that's what I'm um, saying. You know, it's sort of like they're not thinking of annual pass holders first. No. They're thinking of them as like almost like leftovers. They never think of annual pass holders first. Annual pass holders have been treated like leftovers for years now. Um, that's something I rail about anytime I'm given an opportunity, and thank you for giving me an opportunity to do it again. Um, I don't th- think that annual pass holders are necessarily due a guaranteed AP rate at one of their resorts. I understand that. I think that they can do a lot more for annual pass holders, for people that are spending $500 on an annual pass, that you know, throw us some bones here and there, because every year it seems like there's less and less uh, in the terms of discounts or specials or perks that pass holders get uh, over non-pass holders. And, you know, again, Disney uh, treating as an afterthought one of their highest affinity groups. But that's probably another discussion. But uh, So they are out there. It's just it's not something you bank on. It's not something you can bank on. It's just, you know, one of those things where you have to uh, be looking at the right time at the right resort for the right dates in order to get it. Any other tricks anybody can think of in terms of, because I think that's really the only guideline you can mm-hmm. give for AP right. rates. Right. 
So, and also, um, you don't get an annual pass holder rate off of a package. So you want to book? You have to book a room only reservation. Right. So you can't add dining to that. Yes, you can. Annual yes, pass can. holders can add. Oh, dining. That's right. Mm-hmm. They can. Add I was just going to say that's one of the perks that they can right. get dining. They just added that like a year or two ago because mm-hmm. there was a big complaint by annual pass holders that they want the they want the, to add the dining plan, but they can't because they're only, you know you're only getting the discount on a room only. So now uh, Disney da- does make the dining plan available to, to AP holders. And you can't stack your discounts. So if something better comes along or you want to – if free dining comes along, you can't get annual pass holder and free dining rates. So. No. They need to put out a manual to – no, it's called chart. it's called disports.com. I know. I'm just, <laughs> you, you really, even that's not impossible because they change it all the time anyway. Mm-hmm. Now, um, uh, the other one also from the codes and rates subform uh, is uh, was uh, started by uh, one of our great moderators, Canadian guy, uh, love Canadian guy, and uh, he basically put uh, everything you need to know about discount codes. Uh, up on up on that site. We're going to have links to all these, by the way, in our show notes page, podcast.wdwinfo.com. And he goes through, you know, what the different uh, terms are for PIN and code and PIN code and how do these code, codes work? Where do I find them? Um, you know, uh, do they work for packages? How do you get on the list? And as he write, you know, that's the big question. How do I get one of these PIN codes? Because it, they're seemingly pretty random that some people are getting them, some people aren't. And there's an awful lot of ideas out there. Nobody knows for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the one thing that seems to be presenting itself a lot among the people who are getting these PIN codes via email are people who have registered on DisneyWorld.com and are searching for uh, rates and saving them. Uh, you know, because you can save, like, you know, all the resorts you're looking at, all your different options. And if you're on there a lot and you're doing that a lot and you're researching a lot, that seems to be one of the strategies that people have employed that in some cases at least have, uh, have, have gotten them a, a pin code via email. Uh, I have not been able to recreate that myself. Uh, I'm trying. But, uh, you know, it's... Uh, one, it's, I, I, I got to tell you, going through the codes and rates subform, prepping for the show, some unbelievable information is in there. And uh, just because it's a shameless plug, if you get a pin code or a special offer like that, uh, you can still book that through Dreams Unlimited Travel, which mm-hmm. John and I are part owners of, just for full disclosure. But I know sometimes some people think that if they get these offers from Disney, they have to go direct through Disney. You don't. You can come through dreams, and you should. Um, anything you have anything to add about pins or codes or? One of the things people seem to think is that uh, if you've stayed, you get a pin code. Okay, I've stayed. Uh, right. How many times? Yeah. Right. No, never. The other thing too is um, uh, I also don't get my Mickey monitor. Right. I don't get you know. They forget you know I, I get nothing from Castaway Club. They hate me. They hate me. Maybe it's because I call Maycroft and the cleaning woman. Could be. Um, don't send him a pin code. <laughs> There's also uh, things where people are saying, I'm the, the person who books, and all of a sudden my cousin who's never been to Disney right. gets a pin code. Now I've had that happen. I can't t- and the other thing, too, is um, you used to be able to call up Disney and you used to be able to say, listen, can you check to see if there's a pin code on my reservation? And they've stopped that now. 
But I think it was because everybody on the DIS board yep, said, that's, call, that was our fault, yeah. You know, call and see if you have a PIN code. And, and I, I think it was in that thread or somewhere that people still do call and depending on the cast member. But I would say don't do that. But the other thing with um, PIN codes is they're very particular that if mm-hmm. you get it and it says Susie Smith and you're Jane Smith, you're not going to get it. If your addresses change, they're going to make you say, well, hey, was this, a, you know, they're very particular that it gets to that particular person. You can't just give it to your neighbor and let them use the PIN code. Right, exactly. That's only for you and you have to show your, don't you have to show your little card or whatever when you get there? Uh, they don't say that so much anymore, but if you can prove that that was you, then you get it. So it's also complicated. Mm-hmm. It is, it is, but you know what? This is what people have to do. Yeah. This is what people have to do in order to get the best deals. And that's at the end of the day, you know, people want to find, you know, yeah. you're in the middle of a challenge right now. Yeah. Um, you know, this is why uh, things like this, learning these things, navigating your way through these things. It's one of the reasons I wanted to do a Disboards focused show to talk about some of this stuff because we really don't talk about this. I, you know, we don't, not in any detail anyway. So, uh, again, that's another thread. We will definitely have a link to that on the show notes page for people to take a look at. All right, the next thread uh, we're going to talk about is uh, actually I found on uh, the podcast board, but it comes from our Disney camping board about the activity going on at River Country. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, this has been. This has now been become like uh, a great mission for a few people. <laughs> oh, I'd love to go over there to and figure scout out, out what exactly is going on now. For those who don't know, River Country was at one point the pool for Fort Wilderness. It was a whole little water park. Any, I mean, anybody could go there and use it, but uh, it was the pool for uh, Fort Wilderness, and it was like an old fashioned swimming hole was how they built it. And the first it, water park. It was the first water park in essence. And, uh, you know, you hear me close every show by saying stay out of the damn lakes. Well, that's why Disney basically closed down. That was not the reason they gave, but it's the reason that they closed down River Country was because people were getting sick from these brain-eating amoebas you can get during certain times of the year in freshwater lakes that are at a certain temperature. And a few months ago, uh, somebody on our boards posted a bunch of pictures of river country in this utter state of disrepair and then all of a sudden bulldozers and work crews show up to what we thought was demolish what was left and clean it all up and turns out that that may not be the case uh they're definitely demolishing some stuff but they've pulled some building permits and they're doing some other work, which looks like they may be planning to do something with this area. I don't think it's going to be a, a water park. but no, it's not going to be a water park for sure. Do we have any ideas, any, any thoughts what it might be? There's speculation that it's going to be uh, waterfront campsites, that they're sort of building up the land and making it so that they can bring campers which, out there. Hmm. Given given the permit they pulled for fresh and right. uh, reclaimed water uh, may make sense. That they're running running lines to provide water to campsites. Be an awesome campsite. That would be an awesome campsite. I just think that no matter what it was, I think this all was sped up by the publicity 
from the thread. No question the about it. Absolutely. No yeah. question. And how did they get those back. pictures? How did they get some of those pictures? They obviously got out there. I mean, they had to be fearless because I wouldn't. You know, if it oh. says no trespassing, you wouldn't find me out there. I mean, it looked like it was just abandoned. I mean, they had yeah. plaques in the ground. Yeah, that I one mean, that showed their like break room or whatever yeah. that they had it things. Like, it was sad. frightening. Yeah, yeah. It, it was. was it, it was like was sad. Some, something had taken over the earth. It, you yeah, know, really. day one after people. You know, but it looks <laughs> like Halloween. With the it looks so totally undisney. To leave it that way for so long. I mean, that's not usually how they do things. If they don't want you to see something, they usually cover it up. And this has been out there for anybody to go take pictures of, really. Yeah, it's... uh, They had a wall around it. They had a big wall. Well, they did, Not from the water, though. But not from the water side. I got to tell you, uh, some of the stuff that comes up on on that camping board, if you're thinking about Fort Wilderness or a fan of Fort Wilderness, you really have to spend some time on that forum uh it's a great community that's on there first of all really friendly community by the way and they get some i mean they get this late breaking information there they've got there are people that are over there all the time checking this stuff out it's really cool it's really fun to read through a lot of those threads well i think that but the diz that to me that was what hooked me in the beginning was every hotel has like their fan group yep and you learn so much from those threads that you could never get out of a guidebook. And that's so what the detailed. boards were for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what the board. That's why I. That's why I created them. It's that was what I wanted them to be. And you know what? It's beyond my wildest dreams what they've turned into. But this is exactly what I wanted these boards to do. These threads that I highlighted today. Uh, these. This was a sort of information that has not just made it better and easier for people to get this information and plan their trips. But it has also forced Disney's hand on so many mm-hmm. different levels to change how they do business and pay more attention to the rank-and-file Disney fan. Uh, it has been the great equalizer, honestly. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back no, here. No, I'll I'm agree pat- with you. I'm going to pat myself on the back. That was the idea behind it. It was an idea that was well-realized thanks to all the people that keep showing up and supporting the boards and sharing this information. And, you know, we learn, uh, you know, just this past week going through these threads, I learned so much. It was amazing. So what uh, cracks me up about this, though, going back to the specific thread, is how something becomes iconic to people. You read this thread and it's like, um, River Country was my favorite thing. It was the only thing I went to Disney for. (laughs) I loved it. It's like people become obsessed. Nostalgic, though. I mean, it's part of its nostalgia. I think sometimes it goes behind. Nostalgia. No, there's no, there's definitely because it almost becomes like hero worship of something that's missing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you got to think back and you got to well, if you look at the way it is, it was kind of crummy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I never thought that. I loved <laughs> River Country. I loved River Country. It, it was kind of you know falling apart even when it was new. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> All right, and finally this week from the Disney Dining Reservations Forum, I thought this was awesome. Uh, this thread. Uh, a thread of ADR cancellations. Uh, we hear you, talk, you hear us talk all the time on the show about how difficult it is to get ADRs at certain at certain restaurants, especially during certain times of the year. Well, threads have been created uh, where people are posting tomorrow morning at nine o'clock. I'm calling in to cancel the ADR I have at this restaurant for this time. 
because uh, you can't transfer the ADRs. But if you know at nine o'clock somebody's going to be canceling that one, you can try and get yourself on the phone. That was just fascinating to grab it. Isn't that isn't it amazing? How they work together. I had no idea this was there. I had no idea this was there. I had to do that for a client like last year. And we did like a three-way phone call that when she canceled, I was going to take it. Well, just as the lady said, yes, she can have it. The phone went dead. And I'm like, Uh, oh, no, I've I've, I've done all this. Well, here I called back and I, I got it. But that's the key is you have to. Like be there at the right. It's time. like people banding together mm-hmm. against the the big Disney. But I mean, how neat to work is that? Around well, it's not so much banding together against Disney. Well, I mean, I uh, it's trying to find ways to work with the system Disney has without breaking any rules. Right. And you know this this sort of creative thinking in trip planning, I think, is just. Uh, it, I, I look at that stuff and I'm like, wow, that's really, really cool. And I think it's neat because some people want like Le Cellier is a really, really popular one. And some people that like will make or break their vacation if they don't get it. And okay, the- well, anybody that puts that much stock in a restaurant to make or break their vacation, they really need to reexamine the program. Oh, right, but still, there's somebody that that's going to you know they volunteered that they're giving it up, so now they have the chance exactly. to do that. Exactly. So you know, the Disney's not going to do that for them. A lot the of Ohana board. cancellations. I'm scanning through this thread. Cancel Ohana. Cancel cancel Ohana. <laughs> Good. Good. Keep but canceling Ohana. It also seems, you know, like anything else on the Diz, that if one person comes on and says they don't like something, then ten more people come on and say that they, they love it. They don't no, that they, they don't, like, they don't it. like it. So then everybody sort of and then it's like, well then but maybe I want to go try it just to see how it is. Exactly. Yeah, but if you just have that a certain amount of money to spend, you, you know, you're gonna pick and choose. Oh yeah. If, yeah. if ten people say they don't like it. I'm prob- I'm not going to be the person that's going to try it, probably. So, all right. Well, that will do it for the first ever episode of the Disboards.com edition of the Dis Unplugged Roundtable. We hope everybody enjoyed it. We will be back with you again next week with another episode of the Dis Unplugged. Thanks for listening, everybody. And remember, stay at a river country <laughs> and the damn lakes. Unless you're going to take pictures and go into River Country and let us know what's going on. Post them on the boards.